Good day and welcome to another bonus episode of the Middle Podcast as we move closer to season three beginning in April. I'm so stoked for that. I'm ready to go. My name is Jim Nelson. I'm your host of this program. The Middle Podcast continues to be a ministry of Living Word Church in Oak Harbor, Washington. Our goal every week will be to pull some application out of our previous Sunday's service and remind ourselves that with each teaching that we hear, there is an element of action and function that we can take in order to personalize it, to make it a priority in our lives, and hopefully come to a point that that way of living becomes a habitually and good priority for us. First off, I want to address maybe the quality of the experience you may have with the Middle Podcast. I don't have the luxury of a professionally designed studio or anything like that. I do this podcast on the road, mostly in a hotel room, and even once last year from my car in a parking garage. I try to control my environment as best I can by turning off the air conditioning or the heat or by unplugging the refrigerator in the room, but sometimes some sound gets through or even the quality can sound kind of tinny like it did last week, I thought. I don't mind that because one of my intentions was for it to be a little bit unrefined to begin with, a little bit more gritty, because our middle of the weeks are often characterized by unrefinedness and grittiness. That's the consequences of journeying through our wildernesses. And speaking of that, this week was week one of a sermon series called The Wilderness, brought to us by Amy Akatero who's our family pastor, and she spoke out of the book of Exodus. So this idea of wilderness, what are we talking about when we say that word, the wilderness? Well, just a little bit of extra reading through the scriptures or maybe some commentaries, we see this wilderness idea is contextualized, first off, throughout the Bible. You can't miss it. It starts in Genesis Humankind is created to care for and tend to the order and the beauty and the potential of this creation of God. But the humans decide to go their own way, and that leads to an existence in the wilderness outside of the garden, outside of Eden. If you've spent any amount of time in church, you've probably heard portrayals similar to Amy's this past week from the book of Exodus. It's a famous and noteworthy one. The Israelite community is freed from slavery and spends a couple of generations wandering in the desert or wandering in the wilderness. Jesus had his own wilderness experience following his baptism by John the Baptist. And quite honestly, if we're going to identify people who spent time in the wilderness— Wasn't that literally the description of where John came out of the wilderness? I think it was, you know, the camel, the clothes of camel hair, the leather belt and eating locusts and honey. That's wilderness living to a T. Now, but back to Jesus. I mean, it is in the wilderness where we read of Jesus fasting and then being tempted by Satan himself and overcoming those lures to begin his ministry on earth. Okay, another great, great story. And there's many, many more characters from the Hebrew scriptures in the New Testament who had what is described as wilderness experiences. Now, why are they so so important? I like how Holmes Ralston, who was a professor at Colorado State University, puts it. He says this, the wilderness is a locale for intense experiences. And in other words, I think something that might be spread over more time generally, but or over, even over a lifetime, compressed into a shorter 
but extreme context, right? Like the stark need for food and water, isolation, he says, danger. But on the other hand, Ralston says, renewal can happen in the wilderness, as well as encounters with the divine. And another source, Solid Rock Ministries, puts it like this. They say, throughout Scripture, we see examples of God using the wilderness as a way to teach his people four key things. So number one, who he is. Number two, what he is doing. Number three, who we are as his people. And then number four, what we are to do as his people. I hope you see the relationship just intertwined in, in those purposes, right? It's, it's fairly obvious. So with all that as background, let's take a look at one thing Amy said last week that is so important to this conversation in her description of the ancient Israelites transitioning from slavery to freedom. She said they had to, quote unquote, unlearn so much of what they had learned from their previous experience. Unlearned. Now, as soon as I heard her say it in the sermon, I made a little note in the corner of my Bible because I knew that this would be this week's bonus episode, the, this process of unlearning. What does it mean to unlearn and then learn something new and redeeming and something useful? I'll just give you a picture of my golf game to kind of set us up with a silly, I get it, it's silly, but basic vision of where I'm going. I started out golfing as a sophomore on our high school team, and we had a coach, and what, from what I remember is that during practice, we have very little instruction, just a little bit of instruction, but practices were mostly just accomplished by releasing us on our nine-hole course between Grable and Base in Wyoming. You just went out and played. Come to think of it, there was a bit of wilderness about that golf course. It had patches of sagebrush in between the fairways and certainly ringing the golf course itself, horse flies, tons of mosquitoes, and occasionally even a rattlesnake. Talk about playing in the wilderness, right? But back, okay, back to our point. Because it was more playing than instruction, I developed some really, really bad habits when it comes to golf. It could be the grip, it could be my stance, it definitely was my swing, but any number of things that I taught myself that were wrong or incomplete, but bottom line, 38 years later, if I want to be a better golfer, I'd better get some instruction in order to unlearn those bad habits that I trained into my game. And I know it's a mindless example, but a pretty good picture of what it takes to unlearn. It's going to take some effort to unlearn things that I've developed as a habit or routine that don't sync up with God's intention for myself or humankind as a whole. That's what makes the wilderness so useful, that extreme nature of the experience. So when Amy said unlearn, I immediately thought of Romans 12 too. It just connected me right to Romans 12 too. When we unlearn a negative or bad routine or habit, we need to replace it with something new and useful. That's the intention. That's the intention of unlearning something. Take a look at chapter 12 this week if you have some time to get the full effect, but we'll start with verse two here today. From the ESV, it says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And the NLT version, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
Jesus has been commissioned by God to restore humanity and creation back to his original design, right? A new Eden setting, so to speak. We can't do it on our own. This should be really obvious to us. Just if we just take a brief look at our current status or historical state, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter. Chaos and disorder is where we tend to find ourselves collectively and individually instead of order, instead of peace, and instead of divine purpose. So for just one example of an application, let's pull ourselves back to last week's podcast story. Luke's telling of what was noteworthy about the early church as described in Acts chapter 2. says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In order to fully embrace this new, this renewed way of life, They devoted themselves to becoming learners, to being learners, serious learners, doing regular and continual learning, even in the wilderness. And to be even truer to the scriptural story, I should say this, especially in the wilderness. They didn't have it easy, right? They were being harassed. They were being ostracized. They were being marginalized from the culture and society because of what they believed. They were losing their jobs. They were being threatened. But in all of that, despite all of that, they committed to learning a new way of life. And what were they learning from the apostles? Well, it doesn't exactly say in Luke 2, but from the rest of the New Testament, we could kind of guess that the context of the story was they were they were describing what Jesus taught to be a renewed humankind, how it didn't look like the current culture, how it responded in different ways to needs in the community. Let's just say most likely the apostles were giving context and application to the teachings of Jesus, like the Sermon on the Mount. That was a radical sermon and would need some explaining and some application to help them live in the way that Jesus was teaching. So let's bring this to a close with some connections. What does Roman 12, 2 and others like it, say Ephesians 4, 23, it talks about the renewing of the spirit of the mind, or Colossians 3, 10, or 2 Corinthians 5, 17, all very similarly themed teachings. What do those verses got to do with the wilderness experience that I may be walking through or we may be walking through together as a church, you know, kind of like the last 12 months or so, for example? Is there the possibility that there's intention and there's purpose and there's a design to my wilderness experience that is planned to renew our minds and to make us look a little bit more like the creation that we are supposed to be? I think so. Because Jesus said it himself. He pulled this from the book of Isaiah when he said, pay attention. He said, I am making all things new. Thank you again for joining us at the Middle Podcast, and I'm really looking forward to season three. I think we're going to have some real fun together. Tune in again in April.